began to hear the voice of God speak to me last night, and I believe if you would listen to me for the next few minutes, not me, but listen to what God wants to say. I believe that God wants to talk to you today and to help you if you'd be willing to listen. Uh, the, 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 the great uh, character of the Old Testament, one of the great characters of the Old Testament, was a man by the name of King David. Uh, most of us have heard of David, uh, at least from the standpoint of one of the most famous stories in all the Bible is David and Goliath, right? The shepherd boy that takes out the giant with a sling and a rock. And David is such a huge central figure of all of the Bible and has such a high uh, high ceiling of achievement. In fact, the Bible says that even Jesus Christ came to sit on the throne of David. David is a man of, of great achievements. He's also a man of great failure. He ended up uh, sleeping with a woman that it wasn't his wife, got her pregnant, killed her husband to cover up his crime. Um, he was a he was a tremendously complicated and complex man in sort of the things he went through. He had such a fascinating story. Uh, we come to find out that David was born in a very a very a uh, strange circumstance that appeared as if he was illegitimate. Um, he was an outcast to his own family. He wasn't even, in fact, his own father didn't even recognize that he was his son when, the, when Samuel shows up to the house to ask to anoint one of the boys to be king. His father didn't even recognize or didn't even acknowledge, yeah, well, okay, I got this boy. He's outside in the field. His name is David, but I'm sure he's not the one. Come to find out, shocked everybody, he was the one. And so he was, a, he was an amazing man. Uh, but one of the things that really was the central point to, what, uh, to who David was was the fact that even as a young child, as a, as a young man sitting there countless hours out in the fields watching the, his father's flock, um, and there was something in David that desired to connect with God. And not to get into all this, but uh, at the time that God, uh, the Spirit of God was in the temple, it was in the tabernacle, it was in the tent of meeting. It was where God, it, would, it was in the holiest of holies. It was in this place where only the high priest, only the certain people could get into. David wasn't a part of that group. He wasn't in that club. And so he couldn't really experience God like others. But his desire for God was so great that when David couldn't get to God, God came and connected to David. And so here's this guy that experienced so many things. But yet he was a man that had extreme highs, but he also had some very deep, deep lows in his life. He was a fugitive. He found himself making tremendous mistakes in his life. He found himself in, in, himself in very dark, lonely places. Uh, he was uh, abused and misused and accused and all kinds of things happened to him, some things that he caused and some things that, to be frank with you, he was a victim of. And so there were several times in the book of Psalms that David would kind of give us some perspective of what he was going through and the way he was thinking. He was a, he, he was a very expressive guy. He, he shared his thoughts in a very beautiful way. He really 
captured his emotions extremely well. And one of those we come to was was something that probably all of us, if we can't quote it, we at least have heard of it. That's Psalms 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, you know, all those beautiful, wonderful, scriptive ways he described his sort of passion for God and sort of his way of, of, of kind of processing things and uh, making me to lie down in green pastures. He leaded me besides the still water. Uh, all these wonderful, beautiful things that talk about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you because your rod and staff are with me, they comfort me. All these things that he talks about in this beautiful scripted uh, Psalms 23. But there's another Psalm as well that David really captures sort of his 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 um, his struggle. And I think this is like this this I, I've used this probably I don't know 30 times in my 22 years of preaching. Um, I've used this so many times. But I think the Lord brought this back to me again, and I kind of said, Lord. You know, I've used this a hundred times. Can I can can I use something else? The Lord said, "No, this is what I want you to use as a starting point from today." And uh, it's Psalm seventy three because Psalm seventy three is sort of how a lot of us probably feel in twenty twenty. To be frank with you, if I could write down a lot of twenty twenty, it'd probably come out a lot like Psalm seventy three. But this is David's kind of description. I'm going to read it to you today out of the, what's called the New Living Translation. And the reason I'm choosing that is because it puts a little more modern language because I think it captures it a little more for our modern hearing of what David was truly saying. Psalm 73 says, verse number one, Truly good, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. So David starts off kind of making sure, listen, I know God's good. But, then he throws a but in there. He said, I know God's good. We all know God's good. I don't think anyone says, you know, God's terrible. Most of us to say would say, you know what, God's good today. But David had a but, and most of us have that as well. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. I think all of us can say amen to that. In 2020, there were times where our feet were slipping, and there were times in 2020, and maybe there are, we're experiencing that right now, that we feel like our feet are slipping and we're almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such a painless life. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace, clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut through the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the most high God even know what's happening? Is that not something that probably, I don't know, I can't even, I wouldn't even want to put a percentage, but how many people, including us, but how many people have that say, well, you know what, if God's so good, then why is all this happening? If God really is truly who he says he is, why is all this happening? Where is God? Does it even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep... Now David starts to turn it back on himself. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. He's trying to understand it. He's trying to put it into some kind of 
formula in his mind. He's trying to see why is 2 plus 2 equal? Why is this the way it is? But what a difficult task it is, David says. I'm, I'm trying to understand all this, but it's too difficult of a task for me to comprehend. And then he sums all of the 16 verses we just read up, and he finally gets to the point, which is the most powerful point. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Now the sanctuary there, it's not talking specifically like going into a building. He's talking about the sanctuary being where God's presence is. He said, God, I didn't understand any of this. I, in fact, I tried to understand it, but it's impossible to understand why. I, I can't tell you why COVID's here. I can't tell you why our world is the way it is. I can't tell you why there's pain and injustice and hurt. I can't tell you why your life is turning out the way it is. I can't tell you why they hurt you. I can't tell you why they've been you, they've abused you. I can't tell you why they left you. I can't tell you why it seems like in, when you try to give your life to God, instead of it getting better, it fears to get worse, where you see people around you posting on Facebook and posting on Instagram. They're living a life of complete and utter chaos, but yet it seems like their life is full of joy and happiness and having a good time, and yet all you seem to get is trouble for your pain. I can't understand that. You can't comprehend that. But then David said, it's impossible. It's too difficult a task. But then I got into your presence. When I got into your presence, I finally understood Later on in Psalms 91, David comes back and he says, He who dwells in the secret place. Psalms 91 is such a beautiful written uh, chapter of the Bible. In fact, a lot of people have used Psalms 91 as their anchor for 2020. But David starts off Psalms 91 from that same place in Psalm 73, that place of being in God's presence. He says in Psalms 91, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, now this is the same guy who didn't understand, but now understood. He says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. If there's ever a time that we need a fortress and a refuge somewhere that we can run to and feel safe and feel comforted and feel like there is hope when we feel so hopeless, where we can feel comfort when we are, when we have no comfort, where we can feel peace when we are in the midst of chaos. If there's ever a time we need that, we need it right now. I was talking to someone again the other day and they work in a nursing home and, and, uh, they're, they have, People in that nursing home that range anywhere from age 80 up to 103, 104, I believe that's one of their oldest. And, and they said they were talking to one of the, um, one of the individuals there. I believe this man was 95 years old and his parents had lived through the Great Depression, World War One, World War Two. He has been alive obviously since, uh, you know, 95, so whatever that is, 1925, whatever that is, 19, my, ooh, it's too much math for this early in the morning, 1925. Um, he had been alive for all those years and seen so many things and experienced so many things. And obviously his parents and then his grandparents even went further back to that. And so here's a man who through people that he knew had touched so many difficult times of history, especially American history, 
um, and he his his grandparents had gone back to civil war, and his uh, and his parents had been through World War One and the Great Depression and World War Two and all these things that he personally either experienced or knew of someone that experienced it and difficult times in the history of this country. And he made the statement to this person that works at the home that he lives in, and he said, "I've never seen or heard." of a time that's been more difficult than this. He hasn't been allowed to leave his center since February. He's been able only to see his family through a glass window and wave to them. He hadn't been able to touch them, hold them, uh, communicate to them other than through a phone or through a glass. And he made this statement. He said, I've never seen or heard anything like what we've experienced this year now, if I said that to you, I'm only 40 years old. I've been around since 1980. There have been some difficult things we've been through in the last 40 years. 9-11, we've been through some turmoil in our government. We've dealt with things in our country. There's been some world events that have shaken us. But I say I don't know if ever been a time what we've experienced the last nine months. But I'm only 40 years old. But here's a guy, 95, and he went back multiple generations from his recollection of 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 conversations that he had had with parents and grandparents and made the statement there's never been a time like this that doesn't really make us feel that great honestly uh that just kind of puts in perspective what we're dealing with the mental emotional i said it last week actually uh when we talked about it that the the, the country of japan has been very strict with their COVID regulations. In fact, they've only had a couple thousand deaths because of it. But because of the stringency of their COVID deaths, there have been, I believe I saw a new figure this week, there have been over 20,000 suicides in Japan alone because of the mental and emotional toll. I don't even know what it's been like in this country. I don't know if anyone knows the data of the number of people that have been able to to deal with all the things, whether it's through uh, quarantine or through loss of a job or just through the mental and emotional pressure of this year dealing with COVID and dealing with sort of the turmoil in government and dealing with the fact that we have uncovered so many things in our American DNA that are just horrible things, racism, injustice, things that have just been going on for years, but finally in 2020, we've really uncovered some things and said, you know what, enough is enough with some of this stuff. And it's just shaken so many of us to the core. And to be frank with you, if you're trying to process all this, and yeah, oh, by the way, on top of that, there's still this other stuff we deal with on a normal basis, stuff that has nothing to do with 2020, life, family, relationships, marriages that are falling apart, kids that are going crazy, jobs that are crazy, not knowing if our job's going to be there when we wake up in the morning, just all the stuff we're dealing with. And I, I, it, it gets to the point where, you know, you just, you don't know how much more you can take. I guarantee you somebody that's watching today has made the statement, I don't know how much more I can take. I don't believe you're alone today. I believe that a lot of people feel that way and can recognize it. But I can tell you, the answer to your problems is not a vaccine. The answer to your problems is not trying to make it through COVID to 2020. 2021 is going to be better. Can't wait till 2021 gets here when we all get our lives back. I don't know if we'll ever get our life back the way we 
No way. I don't know if everything will ever go back into our beautiful, pretty little world where everything is wonderful and everything is just the way it used to be. I don't know. In some ways, I have to admit, I think what we used to know will never be the same. It's another new normal that we're experiencing and will continue to experience. It's pre-9-11, post-9-11. It'll be pre-2020, post-2020. It'll be things where things will never be the same to where they are. Does that mean we'll live like this forever? Probably not. But to kind of wish for things to go back, sometimes there, for a lot of you, there's nothing to go back to, whether you've lost family members or you've lost jobs or financially you've gone through it this year or mentally and emotionally you've dealt with so much or maybe your marriage has suffered, your family has suffered, your children have suffered, your parents have suffered. So many of this, so much of this last number of years, have this last number of months have been so difficult. And I got to be honest with you, There's only really one answer to all of this. There's only really one answer. And you can argue with me. You can fight with me. You can say, well, it's not that simple. I can tell you something I know, but also something that is in this book that was repeated time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. There is but one answer. It is Jesus Christ, but more than just his name, it is his presence. It is getting into his presence and finding your way into his presence when you don't understand and you're overwhelmed intellectually, emotionally, physically, mentally. Life is hitting you from every corner and you You don't know what to do. It's finding your way into his presence. And I will say to the Lord, he is my, he is my refuge, my fortress. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I'll trust. Later on, Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous run into and are safe. That word safe literally means secure. We've dealt with I don't know if there's been a year literally maybe there has been but not a year that I can remember maybe you've had it but I don't know about a year that we've dealt with so many things that have caused us to be afraid there's so much fear going on and there's so much fear being fed through the media and social media and there's so much around where we're fearful there's so much things happening if there's ever been a time we needed a secure place But the secure place is not church. The secure place is not your home. The secure place is not through your finances or relationships or whatever. There is but one place that's secure, and that is Jesus Christ. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into and are safe. Some of you, your marriages are falling apart. Some of you, your family is being fractured even as we speak. And you don't know how to put it all back together again. And you're lost for words. I don't have an answer to how it all goes back together again. But I have an answer of how you can make it through the storm. And that is simply this. His presence is heaven to me. His presence is heaven to me. Unfortunately, we have traded his presence for anxieties, for fears. We've been traded his his presence for mental ascension. We're going to figure this out. We're going to trust in the government. The government's got the answer. Well, the government doesn't have the answer, then this guy's got the answer. This woman's got the answer. Follow this person on social media or go read this book or this is the answer. And so we've traded God's presence for things that we can touch, taste, feel, come in contact with, see on a screen. We've we've gone to those extents trying to find the remedy for what ails us. You see, most of us process things in two ways. I, this may be too generalized, but in 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 overall, 
I think there may be some subcategories in this, but most of us process things two ways. We either process it through our mind or our emotion. Some of us process things mentally. We, we reason through them. We, 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 we intellectually, we make an intellectual uh, uh, um, um, understanding. We, we reason them out. We, we try to figure out why and the, the who and the what and the where. and the, we, 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 we look at it like a math problem. We try to solve the, the unsolvable. We, we spin the Rubik's Cube around trying to get all the sides the same color. And we, we, we mentally just churn and eat on things. And that's how we process it. Well, 2020 has kicked our butt. That's not a very spiritual thing to say, but 2020 hasn't matched mentally. It hasn't, you haven't, you haven't been able to figure out 2020. And every time you think you figure it out, guess what? Ooh, it says, ah, nope, can't get me. So there's some that process mentally. There's other you that process emotionally. You process things emotionally. You process things through your feelings, whether it's feelings of fear or anxiety or worry or doubt or confusion or stress. Well, you know what? This year, both have gotten their bell rung. If you're a mental person, and I don't mean the mental, that's a terrible way of saying it. Let me back that up. If you're someone who processes things mentally, it will make you mental. I guess that's probably the way of saying it. But if you process things mentally this year, boy, I'm one of those people. I, I'm, I'm one of those um, people that process things mentally. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a person who digs. I'm a, I'm a reason. I, I try to reason. The Bible says, come, let us reason together. I think that was one of the, that was a scripture that was written for me because I like to reason things out. But the problem is there's some things that can't be reasoned out. Can't do it. Doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. You can't figure it out. It's just impossible to figure out. 2020 has been one of those things. There's some things that have happened in my life the last nine, ten months that I can't reason out. I don't know. Frustrating because I want to know the answer. There's got to be an answer. There's got to be a source. Trust me. There's got to be something. There's got to be an answer. And as David said, eh, you know what? It's a difficult task. But then there's others that, man... Boy, if you're an emotional person and you process things emotionally, boy, has 2020 been a roller coaster for you. There have been places maybe extreme high, but there's been a lot of lows. There have been panic attacks. There have been worry, doubt. Oh, my goodness. You're talking about there's times probably where you literally just grabbed a hold of something and said, if I can just make it to the next moment, please, 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 please. So you kind of fall into these two things. You, you, you have mental and emotional. And you know what? In Psalm 73, David, kind of, my opinion, he deals with both sides. David was one of those that kind of processed things both ways. He processed it mentally because he kind of shared his way of like, I looked at here and I tried to understand, okay, I'm living my life this way, but my outcome's like this. Now they're living their life that way and their outcome's like that. Why is that? It doesn't make sense. Why? He, he was just frustrated. And then on the other side, he's like, I'm dealing with this pain and frustration and emotion. And, and, and I can't get an answer for that. And he's kind of dealing with both. What's amazing is there's an old saying in the ancient world that all roads led to Rome. Because during the time of the Roman Empire, that the Roman Empire laid thousands of miles of roads. 
Part of that was for their armies to be able to move about quickly and to allow them to move trade and commerce with ease, which bolstered the Roman economy. But there was a saying that all roads led to Rome. And no matter what road you got onto, if it's a Roman road, that that road is eventually going to lead you back to Rome. Well, can I tell you today that all roads end up leading you to one answer? Whether a road starts off with a mental, with a mental, um, uh, um, mentally trying to figure it out, or you start off trying to figure it out emotionally, all roads, all roads lead to one answer. Now you can try your way to find your exits. You can try to find your way to other ways. You can look for other answers. You can find every dirt. Trail, every trail, every dirt road, every path, every place you can get to. But there is but one answer. Your presence. Your presence. His presence and getting into his presence, not just to know. Because you know what the problem is? When you deal with things mentally, and you're someone who processes mentally, you can even try to process God mentally. We're talking about today, my wife said it. Sometimes God doesn't make sense. So the problem is, you're like, well, okay, all right, I know the answer is God. So let me try to figure God out. So you're over trying to figure God out, and you can't figure it out either. Because there's but one answer. His presence. You've got to get into his presence. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he made this statement. He said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I am determined, now this is Paul, for I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. Now Paul, right there, takes care of both. He said, I've not come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. So let's take care of you that want the mental side handled. And also, I came to you when I was in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. So those of you that are dealing with this thing emotionally, I got you covered. And those of you that got, the, got this mental thing, I've got you covered. Both of you, I got where you're at. But here's where the answer is. And then Paul said this. And my speech and my preaching were not with uh, persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul said, for you that need mental answers, I know where you're coming from. For those of you that are trying to get your emotions under control, I get where you're coming from. But here's the bottom line. I did not come to persuade you with fancy words to try to get a point across to you. I came with one thing to demonstrate to you not the man's wisdom, not Joel Wright's wisdom, not Paul's wisdom, not Antioch West wisdom or church wisdom. But I've come to you to share with you the power of God. I can't give you words today. My goodness, I don't have answers myself. How can I give you answers when I don't know answers? I'm not foolish today. Don't let the fact I'm sitting here at, the, at this table talking to you on a screen today and that somehow I have the title pastor in front of my name that somehow I think I have all the answers. Honey, I got more questions. I have answers. So I'm, not, I'm in the same boat. But I know one simple thing, and that is this. I know that there is an answer, and that answer is Jesus Christ.
not just knowledge of him. Oh, I know Jesus. Oh, I've got a cross around my neck. Oh, I've been to church. No, no, no. I'm not talking about a substitute for him. I'm talking about the fact that you have experienced him in his presence. John Lombardo, last two weeks ago, if you haven't watched that, you've got to go back. I'm telling you, if you missed that, go back and watch it. It's posted here on Antioch West. John Lombardo uh, gave a testimony of his life and where he was in such a his life was was an absolute mess at the time, but he had an experience with the presence of God, with the presence of God. And in that moment of being in God's presence, literally his entire world was changed in a moment by God's presence. Later on, Acts chapter 3 says, Acts chapter 3 says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing... Oh, have we ever needed times of refreshing? Times of refreshing may come from. How are they going to come? How are these times? Are you weary today? Are you tired? Are you mentally, emotionally, physically exhausted? I don't mean that to be sarcastic. I mean that sincerely. Have you reached your peak? Are you tapped out? Are you someone that says, you know what? I don't know how much more I can take. Here's your answer. Psalms 3, verse 19. So that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. How are they going to come? By his presence. And finally, Acts chapter 17 says this. Acts chapter 17 says, verse 27, so that they should seek the Lord. If happily they may feel after him and find him. We've got to find him. Let's find Jesus today. Though he be not far from every one of us, meaning... You're looking for him. You feel like he's far away, but he's actually right there. He's right there. For in him we live and move and have our being. I think Psalms I mean, Acts 17 describes it so beautifully. We're seeking for him, and he feels so far away, but yet he's right there. So what are the things today that are keeping us from experiencing God's presence. What is it that's keeping us from entering into his presence that we can find ourselves we can find ourselves in that place like David talked about, that refuge, that fortress, that place you can run to and feel safe and secure, that place you can go to and your mind can find rest. You can find peace for your soul, that you don't need sleeping pill, that you don't need some kind of other uh, chemical to alter your thinking because you can't deal with your life, but yet you can find peace that only comes through Jesus Christ. How do I get there? And what are the things that are keeping me from getting there? Well, a lot of times they say, well, you got to go to church. Well, you know what? Can't go to church right now because church can't meet, especially here in the state of Maryland. It's very difficult. And here at Antioch West, we don't have any place to meet right now. This is how we're meeting. So I can't say you got to go to a place. But more importantly, it's not about getting to God. It's about finding where God is, where you're at. You know, it's not about you finding your place into a church world. It's about understanding that God is just as real where you are. I had a friend of mine text me a couple weeks ago, and he's on an awesome journey with God right now. God's working in his life and he's growing in God every day. And he made the statement. He said, you know, I'm watching this morning. And he said, I'm watching here in my, my dining room and I can feel the presence of God right in my dining room. 
And to know that God is not bound by a physical location, that you don't have to go to God, but that God can get to you right where you are is such an amazing and comforting thing to know, especially in this world we're living in right now where a lot of us are hunkered down in our homes because we're dealing, we're in quarantine or maybe because we're, we can't go out or things are closed or you can't go out and have just, you can't just go and do what you want to do because of all the restrictions to know that when you can't get to him, God comes to you. Because God's just as real as in my basement right now, in case you don't know, yes, I am in my basement. In my basement right now, God's just as real as he is in your living room. He is in the greatest cathedral or the greatest and most expensively built building in the, in the world. He's just as real where you are right now. If that's laying in your bed right next to you because you're too sick to get out of bed today because you got fever and body aches and chills and you're being battled with COVID-19 is in your body right now. He's just as real laying in that bed right next to you as he is in the greatest buildings of this world but what are the things that keep me x says that we seek and we find him even though it feels like he's far he's not that far from us i find there's three things there could be more but we're going to sum them up in three things there's three things that keep us from getting to god and being in his presence number one our past or shame is another way of saying it Romans chapter 8 gives us this beautiful written um, list by Paul of all the things that cannot, cannot separate us from the love of God. I mean, he goes through everything. I mean, he goes through nakedness, peril, sword. I mean, all kinds of stuff. It's, a, it's an exhaustive list in, in Romans chapter 8. You go read it for yourself. All the things that Paul said... These things can't separate you from the love of God. The love of God can penetrate through all that. But there's one glaring thing that is missing on this list. Paul made the statement. He said, things present or things to come. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. But he made it very specific. Things present or things to come cannot separate you from the love of God. But the thing he left out was things that have happened. Your past. He dealt with your present and he dealt with your future. But he left out the past because your past can separate you from the love of God. Not because God's love can't work. It's because because of the shame of your past. Things done to you and things that maybe you did. They keep you from being able to experience the love of God to the fullest extent. So shame keeps us if you are battling with that if you're battling with hurt and unforgiveness and things of your past might i encourage you to go back two weeks ago to a sunday morning we did two weeks ago it was myself bishop wright was here and uh we shared with you part two of brother uh brother john lombardo's testimony and we dealt specifically on how god can help you overcome your shame and your hurt because shame can separate you from god's presence if you're here, if you're listening today, uh, whether it's live or archive, and you're dealing with shame and you can't seem to process all that's going on, might I say that God wants to heal you and deliver you from your shame? He wants to put the broken pieces of your heart back together again. Why? So that you can just be Humpty Dumpty put back together again? No, because as he heals you, the more you can experience his presence and his love. And you can find that place of refuge that David talked about. The second thing that can keep you from the presence of God is distraction. 
or another way of saying it, flesh. We're so distracted. We got so many things to entertain us. Movies, YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, Disney Plus. Oh, that old school thing called cable TV. Books, magazines, iPhone, iPad, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I mean, come on, the list of entertainment options is amazing. Sports, shopping, online, chatting, emails, staring out the window at the birds. I mean, so many things distract us and feed our flesh. They feed our flesh. But you know what? These things that feed our flesh don't edify our spirit. Not saying anything is wrong. We, we've got, I've got Netflix. I've got Hulu. I've got Disney+. Plus. We've got things in our house. We watch YouTube. I mean, my kids and my wife and I and our kids, we spend a lot of quarantine uh, nights having a little family time laughing at videos on YouTube. Just all the, the funny things that people have posted and all the things out there. We laughed at those. None of those are inherently wrong. I'm not simply saying, you got to get rid of Netflix. You got to get rid of that. Get rid of this. Don't ever watch sports again. Maybe if you, you're a fan of a particular football team, i.e. the Washington football team, there's not much to watch. I get it. But, I mean, you know, I feel bad for all you Ravens fans. It's been a struggle. COVID got you guys again. But that being said, you know what? None of that's wrong, inherently wrong. But the problem is all that stuff distracts us from the source, keeps us from experiencing the source, which we talked about today is getting into his presence. It, it's not wrong, but it can become wrong when, when it keeps our flesh fed. We're entertained all the time. We always have something. We're always looking on our phone. We always have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we, uh, TikTok. We're always looking at something. We're feeding, 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 feeding. And the problem is the Bible says stand still. And see the salvation of God. He says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint. But what's the key to all that? They that wait upon the Lord. It is so hard in the world we live in where it's go, 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 go. Feed, feed, feed. Entertain, 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 entertain. We wake up in the morning. What's the first thing we do? We grab our phone. The last thing we look at before we go to bed? Our phone. What we do throughout the day? We're on entertainment, listening, voice, music, talk shows, whatever it is. All kinds of stuff. It's very hard for us to be still. It's very hard for us to find a quiet place. To still our flesh, to, to calm the voice of the desire to be entertained and just sit and wait upon God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. When's the last time you sat in a room, closed your eyes and just sat there and calmed your, your flesh and just waited upon God and said, God, here I am. Here I am. Some of you can't even do two seconds before. Oh, I wonder what I gotta miss. I get, but but what 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 am I doing tomorrow? What am I doing yesterday? What I, I gotta do this? Who just posted? Who just tagged me? Oh, there's a new story on the feed. There's a new post. There's a new. We're fed. So shame, distraction, or flesh, and the third thing that keeps us shame. I'm also putting shame. Also unforgiveness. 
That's another thing. So shame and unforgiveness are, are kind of together. Distraction or flesh is the second. And third thing that keeps us from the presence of God is sin. Now before you just <gasps> go into all shock mode, when I talk about sin, I'm not talking about moral sin. Because you know what? God can penetrate even the worst of sin from a moral standpoint. God's not looking at moral performance. No, sin is called missing the mark, meaning me doing my own thing, running my own life, being the, all, all, the, the, being the captain of my own ship. Not letting God be the Lord, the supreme ruler of my life, but me being the one in control and wanting God to help me run my life or fix it when I break things. He fixes it so I can get back again. That's truly what the Bible calls sin, which at the source of all that is pride. That's why the Bible says that if we would humble ourselves, seek his face, turn from our ways, then he would hear our prayer and heal our land. But how do you do that? You got to humble yourself. You got to seek his face. You've got to turn from your ways of doing things and be willing to say, God, whatever you want, however you want it, I'm willing to do. And then, and only then, will he hear your prayer and heal your land. So today I have the answer for you. I believe fully 100%. I can sit here today with all confidence and boldness in the Holy Ghost and say, I have your answer. Your answer is getting into God's presence. But with every answer comes a challenge. You got to get through some unforgiveness. You may need to let God heal you of some shame. You've got to quiet the distractions around you. You've got to still the voice of your flesh, which never in history has that been more difficult than it is in 2020. And the third thing you've got to do, you've got to acknowledge him to be the Lord of your life. That's why the Bible says, if you confess that he is Lord, you shall be saved. Salvation begins with confession, and that is, God, you are the Lord. You're the supreme. You're the one in charge of all of this. I'm not in charge. You're in charge. You're in charge of 2020. I may not like it, but you're in charge, and you're in charge of my life. Those three things are the things that keep us from his presence. And without his presence, we've got nothing. Pack it up. Mail it in. It's over. Because we've got nothing if we don't have his presence. I'm not talking about we have knowledge of Jesus. I'm talking about we don't have Jesus if we don't have his presence because his presence is who he is and his presence is heaven. And I pray today that God would put a fire down in us today to know him and experience his presence like never before. And that his, through forgiveness, through healing, through calming the voice of our flesh and ultimately through allowing him to be the Lord of our life by humbling ourselves, letting go of our pride, seeking his face. First Peter chapter five, humble yourselves, cast your cares upon him. All these things allow us to get into his presence. And the more you get into his presence, the more you want him to heal you of shame. The more you want to forgive, the more you want to calm your flesh, the more you want to let go of pride because the more you let go of the things, the further you can experience him. Because he's, he's unlimited. He's, you can't get enough of God. You can't say, well, I've got it all. No, the more you get of him, the more you want of him. 
Father, I've spoken everything you have spoken to me today. I've tried to do your will to the best of my ability. I have not tried to add to or take from anything that was said today. But Lord, I know you're speaking to hearts and lives here today that are seeking to know you, find you, and experience you in a greater way like never before. And so, Father, today in Jesus' name, I speak that their eye and ears would be open, that a spirit of revelation would come upon them, that they would know and understand and hear. And, Lord, those that are dealing with shame or unforgiveness, that your grace would lead them and guide them today. Those of us that are dealing with our flesh, that your grace would be upon us to calm the voice of our flesh. And those of us that are not, that are so full of pride that we want to run our own life, that, God, that you would... Have mercy upon us today that you would lead us into a place of humility because, God, you are designed to know us and find us and hear us, see us and, and, get, and have fellowship with us. But you said no flesh would glory in your presence. Father, today I speak that you would make yourself known to all that are listening today, all that are watching or will watch, to know that you are the answer. You're the answer and you're the source. Your presence is heaven. If we would step into your presence, then we would understand. 2020 is difficult, God. We don't have answers, but you are the answer. Our lives don't make sense, but you make sense. Our lives are falling apart, but God, you are the rock and the fortress that we run into and feel secure. I speak all these things in Jesus' name. Make yourself known. I speak that you would be made manifest today in Jesus' name. Would you let God help you? today. Examine your heart and your life so that he can reveal what's in you, not to punish you, but so that he can help you so that you can get further into his presence and know him, not just through intellect, but through experience. To experience God right where you are, in your home, on the job, in your car, walking around today outside, wherever you are, God can be made known to you and God can be real to you today if you let him. Let God do it. Let God show you who he is today in a way like he's never done before. God bless you.